0: Mic check, mic check, what's going on? Welcome into another episode of the KZ Community Beats. Tis I, your host, Ross Martinez. And in the house, this week, from the Taff Homes to California, back home this weekend to talk about his new book called The Art of Speaking into Existence, we have Glenn Bowie. Did I say that right? You got it right. Yeah, really you know good. what? You know that's how I it. said it? And then I'm like, did I make sure I like I was right? you did it. it was all right? Thank you, cool. man. Holy I grew man. up watching a lot of Soul Train, so that's where I get all my swag from. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> your book signing is Don happening. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Don Cornelius was that dude when I was oh, growing yeah. up. Oh, yeah. uh, your book signing is happening at the Riverfront Museum this Saturday, the 23rd of September, 10.30 a.m., followed by a talk at 12.30, right? Yes. So, all this, the thing I want to talk the most about this is you are born and raised Peoria. Yes. I'm an outsider. I come in about a year and a half now. There is a constant that I've heard from a lot of people I've talked to in this community beat these episodes, taff homes. Mm-hmm. I hear a lot of mixed bags from outsiders, but from those that had grew up in that area, they talk about the taff homes as if it was this iconic kind of moment in time. So talk to me about Taff Homes from your perspective, where you were raised and grown.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was a, a youth uh, growing up in Taff Homes. I went to Irving grade school, and uh, Taff Homes was a great training ground for, you know, just uh, getting to know others and a community of uh, service, getting to know others. It was a
0: great, great time man, in my life. So uh, how was that community at the Taff Homes back at the
1: well, it was about survival, man. It was about, you know, people loving on each other. Uh, back in the day when I was growing up there, it was all about the families that kind of looked after each other and took care of each other. And so it was a really tight-knit community. It was uh, based on love, man. I mean, it, was, it wasn't It was the typical pod- uh, projects that you would think in terms of the violence that's probably there maybe now or, 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 or the changes that have gone on. But I think for the most part, uh, the Taft to me was a community, a place of positiveness. It was a place of upbringing. It was a place that if you could make it out of the projects, man, you could make it anywhere.
0: That is uh, like, yeah. that's like the American dream right there, that if you could come from this struggle and earn something, like.
1: It was just a dangerous, it wasn't so much as dangerous, it was just more of a, how can I say it to make sense? It was just more of an environment that, uh, my mom was very protective of her kids. She was scared about the river being close by.
2: You wanted us to
1: go down the Illinois River because it was horror stories when you hear about the river and people going fishing and, you know Willie the wino used to come knock at our door all the time right <laughs> and and uh, bring us fish and wanted to take us fishing and my mom would always tell us no can't, kids can't go fishing today but she know, had the mama bear um, on her. yeah I was kind of very protective of her kids but it was just a great environment man it really was uh, it gave you vision hope um my mother had the vision of one day getting us out of there one day, too, as well. We hmm. were one of the first, probably, I would say, African-American families to come out of the project. Really? And leave and move to middle-class America, up in the Peoria Heights.
0: Yo, I've been hearing a lot about Peoria Heights. I've stepped foot in it once or twice, but, like, it, not to paint a light on it or nothing, but everybody talks about it as, like, this is the the moving area, the, yeah. you know I mean? This is the Heights were quote unquote described its own word. so how did that feel going from Taft homes to Peoria Heights? Oh
1: man, that was a that was a culture change that I welcomed, that I was really uh, excited about. You know, learning about other cultures and other people, and uh, it opened me up to a whole nother world. So,
0: so what was that world that opened up? Just oh, man, just of
1: possibilities of you know of being free to see a basketball court that I never really got a chance to see or. Uh, to play Little League Baseball and, and to see, uh, have other friends of other cultures and nationalities it really was, it opened my mind up to so many possibilities. But, but um, my vision was so grand as a young kid. Um, by being caged in, it really was a training ground of how can you create a life for yourself being inside of an environment that uh, will allow you to flourish. And so mm-hmm. when I used the magazines. And I would look at magazines and television, and I started dreaming big. And, and I would tear out articles out of newspapers and put them up on the wall.
0: So your own vision board.
1: Yeah, I started creating a vision for my life, how I wanted things to look outside of my own environment. Because I knew that within any environment, you can make the best of it. It doesn't mm. matter where you come from. It's more about how you finish life and, and, and
0: the vision that you have
1: for your life. So I am really excited about that.
0: So what was on that vision board at that time?
1: Oh, man, it had doctors, lawyers, athletes, entertainers,
0: homes. Just the type of elbows you wanted to bump up against? Yeah,
1: it was fun. Just (laughs) an idea, just the dream big. And, uh, you know, my mother was, she had a radio station, WPEO. She was on the radio back in the day. She was?
0: Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So my
1: mother. Um, music was one of the keys to our life. And and, uh, she would come home and play music. Every day, and we listen to on the radio. Up and Adam, kids. This is Alice WPEO.
0: Up and Adam. Let's do it. What's What's a song that you close your eyes and perfectly describes your childhood? You said your mom's playing a song when you come home or she gets home. What song comes to mind that oh, describes that?
1: i tell you, for me, my song growing up as a youth was uh, Just My Imagination.
0: By Timps. That was it. Yeah, because it was all about Running imagination. Running away from me. Yeah. Yeah, I it. wish I could sing. <laughs> wow.
1: so, that was really the exciting part of uh, growing up. And then later on, we moved to Peoria Heights and I attended Von Steuben Grade School. Uh, I think it was sixth grade. Uh, I was in a talent show. And I, I formed my own group called The Dynamic Three, get uh, out of here. We sang that at a talent show at Von Steuben, and uh, that was an exciting times. So I think we took second place or something. It was fun Yo. to be able to, uh, you know, run down the tunnel and, and be dressed on the stage, and when the curtain opened <laughs> up and we spun around, and everybody was there and the crowd was there, and uh, it really opened me up to uh, a whole nother world that I had never been exposed to.
0: I can't believe you did a, a three piece Motown group. Yeah. You know, that's, <laughs> that's oh, yeah. amazing, man. So uh, after that, right, you're, you're in the Heights. At what point in your story do you meet Ray Becker? Oh,
1: good. Yeah. I tell you,
0: I was waiting tables, uh, going to college.
1: And, uh, I'd come home. I, I was going to Western Illinois <laughs> university in Macomb. And I was putting myself through school and, and I'd come home every weekend, and, and I started waiting tables. And uh, there was this gentleman who used to sit at my table all the time, and I was always wondering, who was this guy in his suit? You know, I knew he was someone important, but I didn't really know who he was. And um, we became friends, and he would always sit in my section. I came home. My last two years of college, I spent maybe one college weekend on the campus because I wanted to come home and give money to my mother. I wanted to help her out. Um, I needed money to survive and, and help others. And I was always thinking about my family, how I could be supportive. And so um, that's when I befriended uh, Mr. Becker.
0: Just by constantly being at the same location and eating in your section, you just started talking?
1: We started talking, we started chit-chatting. Uh, I shared my vision of you know, one day going to California. You know, he asked, what was I gonna do after I got out of school? So my vision board really started expanding. Because when I look back at my vision when I was a young child, you know, part of that vision was going to California because we would be snowed in in Peoria Heights, my mom's house <laughs> on Trip Street. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and I was just to tell mom, that's where I want to go one day. So uh,
0: Just because it was warm or like celebrity so and all that?
1: In, <laughs> and I kept thinking, one day I got to get out there. And uh, so uh, fast forward, uh, after meeting Mr. Becker, uh, we'd be... We'd Built his bond with each other and he would have a lot of his business meetings there And i became his go-to guy uh, for his business he owned the rain tree restaurant at the time it was a continental regency hotel <laughs> downtown and uh
0: for those that don't know ray becker is a big name in peoria or rest assault soul right he, yeah. he done passed away but uh he's built a couple buildings here has a big lineage, big name. I'm still learning about him, Lots I'm so still it. Not just a couple of buildings, lots of buildings. <laughs> he owns half the town? I would think so. <laughs> Maybe three quarters? Time. Yeah,
1: I'm sure. Yeah,
0: How did that them
1: feel, them? though? So it made me feel good. It empowered me. It made me feel like, wow, you know, here I am, you know, having a conversation with uh, a gentleman, one of the wealthiest men in, in Peoria, who took a lightning to me, became like a father figure. Hmm. I could talk to him about anything, and and then um, he, when he found out I was going to school and uh, getting ready to graduate, he says, well, look, December 3rd, man, I'm going out to sunny Southern California on, on my private jet. How would you like to serve drinks and, and come out with me and, and uh, I'll show you a good time. And I couldn't pass it up.
0: And just like that. Yeah. So how long was it? Because I, I, I love learning about the uh, inner workings of, of human relationships and friendships of how we get very cool with somebody out of nowhere. So from meeting him, finding out who he was and then heading out to California, what was that timeline?
1: About a year and a half. Oh, that's solid, yeah. yeah. It usually
0: takes about a year to figure out somebody.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs> it was fun though.
0: It was a great experience. About a year and a half getting
1: to know him and uh building that relationship and uh being of service. I learned at a young age. Uh Waiting tables really opened me up because I grew up kind of a shy person. Hmm. You know, I excelled in sports. I was baseball and basketball player, you know, coming up through grade school and high school and so forth. And played Sunday morning league baseball and, <clears> and all that great stuff. But uh, something about waiting tables, it taught me sales because I didn't know I was going to end up being a, a top sales producer in the country. And uh, But waiting tables allowed me to overcome my fears of opening up to people and, and open up my mind. Because hmm. when someone comes into a restaurant it's a five star restaurant and they're with you for the next couple of hours. You know, you're know, you kind of in control of the situation and you can, you can make or break the evening.
0: That's interesting. One thing you said there that definitely caught my attention when you say it opened you up a lot but you had done the performance, the three man group. Is that Did you have a lot of moments that you look back to and you're like, hmm this definitely got me to the personality that I've grown into now that you like, can pick apart be like, oh, those are candid events or vital moments in my life.
1: Oh, without a doubt. And I tell you, I've had so many life experiences that has really shaped me to the person that I am today. I can remember my mom uh, coming home uh, and saying, hey, kids, get ready. We're going out to the heart of Illinois Fair. We're going to go see Diana Ross.
0: You see that in Ross Live? Yeah. I'm jealous. (laughs) And the
1: original Supreme. Really? Illinois fair. And so, uh, my life has just been really blessed. I thank God for blessing me, man. We came from a faith-based, I came from I come from a faith-based family, and and my mother was the one that instilled, you know, those principles in us as kids to uh, follow your passion, follow your dreams, but always put God first in your life as you go out into the world. that was her vision for us, and so it opened me up, and uh, I've been blessed. And, and the vision board helped me create that and realize that. You literally can speak your life and dreams into existence,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that you can manifest you know, your life. It really it comes down to you as a person. It's unlimited opportunities, and that's what I love the most about being here and being from Peoria, is that it allowed me to open up my heart and my mind and my vision.
0: I love that, man. But on the flip, how was it for your mom to let you go to leave Peoria and go to Cali? Like, how was that?
1: Oh, it was amazing.
0: She was, like, free. Because I know when I was leaving, my mom was like, are you sure? <laughs> well, you know,
1: my mother was very
0: supportive. Uh, I remember calling her. Uh, when I, uh, well, Actually, when that day happened,
1: actually, uh, after waiting tables, uh, I uh, came home. I said, Mom, you won't believe what just happened. She said, what? I said, Mr. Becker just invited me to go to California. And she said, oh, wow. She said, that's exciting, son. I want you to do it. Go for it. Make your dreams come true.
0: She was gun over immediately.
1: She was all oh, very supportive. And I promised her. And I said, Mom, when I go to California, I'm going to come back and get you one day. And you're going to live with me in my home. The vision that I have, I'm going to have this house up in the mountains in Pasadena. And... uh she said, "Oh, son, you'll be married by then. You're gonna forget all about your mom." <laughs> and uh, I fulfilled that purpose. My mom just passed away a year ago, and um, my condolences. And um, but for 23 years, I fulfilled my purpose with my mom.
0: You said it with such a huge ass smile, and I love that man. Yeah, like you saying it with like a very authentic like. Yeah, because she you sacrificed made it right for her kids. My mom worked three
1: jobs. My dad was an alcoholic. You know, uh, he just didn't, he was a great guy. He just didn't have any vision for himself. Uh, his vision was limited to, you know, because of the alcohol. So my mom was the one that when child and family services come banging on our door in the Taft homes you know, my mom, that's where we felt like caged in. She would tell us, don't answer the door.
2: Mm. Don't
1: answer the door because, you know, they were um, looking to separate us. So they wanted to separate my brothers and sisters. Hmm. Yeah, I have a sister, Renee, and uh, two brothers, uh, older brothers. So I'm the youngest of four, and they wanted to split us up.
0: And the first one to graduate college, right?
1: I was the first one to graduate from college. That was my vision. My mom wanted to go to college. Huh. And so she didn't get it, get that opportunity, and I wanted to be the first one to do it and complete that mission.
0: Man, so, I mean, talk about speaking into existence. All this has been a, a vision quest, for lack like, of better words. Like, you, you see something, why? You go get it. So that's that's all I respect that a lot, man, because that's kind of how I've been living my life sure. uh, for 15, 16 years. I've been in this industry. And the second I stepped onto college campus, I said, uh, I want to run a radio station. I want to be that dude. I want to do this. I want to do that. And little by little, I've been able to get it done. It hasn't been easy, but I think, as you know, it's worth it. The hardships, like yeah. people don't see the failures behind the scenes.
1: Sure, <laughs> sure. Well, we all fall down. You know, but you get back up and just keep running the race of life, man. You know, just <laughs> never give up and always just believe that you can make it. Even if you don't even see the clear path or where you're headed, just get on the path.
0: Just get and up vision on it. The will come
1: clear as you get on it, as you move down that path. It'll start opening up to you. That's how it was able to open up for me. Um, through prayer, through exercise, through working out, through meditation, through, you know, uh, People's prayers, mother's prayers, grandma's prayers. I mean, there's a whole blessing, I believe, that, uh, that we all have. We just need to tap into it. We just need to tap into that inner spirit, that inner soul that lives deep inside of us, man. It's in there. It's just tapping into that.
0: You ever find it difficult throughout your journey in moments to tap into, I guess, that, that peace of mind in the journey? um like as you kind of touched with your father and feeling caged in because of moments and then there were probably moments where you may have been out of place did you ever feel like you were on shaky ground temptations pun
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah my whole life i've always felt that way because i always felt in my spirit that you know, there's more, there's better ways of doing things, you know, always trying to improve your, your, your lifestyle, your life, you know. But I always considered others along the way. I always thought that in order for you to get what you want out of life, you've got to help someone else get what they need out of life. So I've always had that in my spirit and in my heart of thinking of others and putting others first in your life, you know, uh, just giving. And I've been a giver my whole life, and that's really, you know, um, my goal in life is being able to help others. And, uh,
0: you ever feel drained by being a giver?
1: You know, I won't say drained, but I do feel that sometimes you do feel that emptiness sometimes because, you know, that's just part of it.
2: But mm-hmm.
1: uh, it doesn't last for long because I have such so many goals and dreams and ambitions, and I still do to this day. of uh, what I want my life, my life to look like and, and what legacy that I want to leave. I have a daughter now that's here at Ridgewoods High School. Sherry- Ridgewoods. Yeah, and I have a, uh, two grandsons, Tylen and Trey, and I have a son-in-law who's doing really well, Shannon, with his business here. And, uh, and uh, you know, having a daughter really mellows you
0: out. So, <laughs> yeah, really,
1: like, it's such, it's such a gift and a blessing.
0: Tell me about this because I have not had the honor to be a father. I'm only an uncle, a fun uncle at that. Yeah. But like, what was that mental, emotional, spiritual change in you? Did you did you see it? Like the minute you found out, hey, I got a kid.
1: Yeah. Well, the coolest part was uh, this just happened over the last three years,
0: you know, <laughs> years ago because yeah.
2: of my book
1: came out. And so if my book would have never came out, I probably would have never. My daughter would have never have found me. We never found each other.
0: She found you because your book got published.
1: Yes, her sister saw it on Facebook.
0: And which book was this?
1: The Art of Speaking into Existence. There
0: it is. The blessing that keeps on giving. Yeah. And thank God for
1: her sister, you know, who saw me and she contacted Sherry and said, this guy looks just like your son. And uh, she was amazed. She went and looked and did her research and said, oh, my God, he does look like my son, Trey." So she contacted her mom and mom said, yes, you know, you know, we dated back in high school and so forth. And and to make a long story short, uh, uh, my daughter did her research and found out that my cousins were liking my book Hmm. on Facebook. And they're like, oh, cousin, congratulations on your book. Well, my daughter, at that time, I didn't know she did her research and did her DNA test and found out my cousins were her cousins. So she's like, oh, this is really getting, this is really getting exciting for her, right? And so um, it's just a blessing.
0: That's yeah. like a plot in a movie.
1: Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is a movie.
0: You live your life. You writing your, big. Uh, what's like your third book that you've written? This is my first one. First one? Yeah. I thought there were other, I looked up and there were other books with your name attached to it.
1: No, this is my first book that I've written. I'm working on my second
0: book. Ah, uh, okay. This is my first There was something else I saw on uh, Amazon Prime. Well, there was a the wrong uh, Glenn. Yeah, it's yeah, <laughs> <as> possible. <laughs> so, so, your first book yeah, after yeah. having this entire life. How yeah. long were you out in uh, LA before?
1: 37 years.
0: 37 years, and this happens. Yeah, and,
1: and the coolest part <laughs> of this is that, um, you know, I always wanted a son or a daughter, and that was my biggest, as I look back on my life, I had told all my friends in Illinois um, and out in California, I said, man, I look at my life, it's been such a, bless, a blessing and being a blessing to others, but I wish I would have had a son or a daughter, man, and I could share this with. And I knew that one day my mom was going to be called home, because once my daughter contacted me, I saw the progression of my mom's health. Uh, getting to the point where it was uncontrollable and and, uh, I knew that it was was just a matter of time. And God blessed me with a beautiful daughter as my mom transitioned out. (laughs) My daughter transitioned in. Blessings. Yes. And that's my story. And that's really an amazing gift, you know, that I received. Um, I did it out of goodness of my heart to take care of my mother. I sacrificed because and, and, I know she would do it for me and it was well she did it.
2: Yeah,
0: it was <laughs> she it. did man yeah. that's when you think about that man just sacrificing and, and caring for someone who brought you into this world until you know they go back and meet God that just it speaks volumes to the character man like that, that had been challenging to go through Towards the end of things, how was that? How were you processing all that? Cause I'm starting to see that with my parents. My dad slowing down, just retired, and I will have days, man. I'm not gonna lie to you. Days where uh, my mind's wrapped around. All right, what am I gonna do next?
1: Sure. Well, yeah, I um, you know, I I don't have any regrets. Uh, at a, first of all, um, you know, my goal at a you at a young age, part of that vision board, remember. I told my mom one day I was going to take care of her <laughs> and,
2: when,
1: and when she retired from corn's furniture right here in downtown Peoria she was there close to 35 40 years uh, I made that commitment to her and so that's what I'm most proud about is that I feel like your word is your bond you know when you, yeah you know you have to be authentic you have to be real your story uh, you know whatever you say you do you, you follow up on it and you follow through and so. I feel good, man. I mean, I was able to take her to Hawaii. You know, a lot of it's in the book. I was able to take her there, and take her on trips as I was going traveling all around different areas with my job and so forth. And I was able to give her a good life because you know, she sacrificed by moving us from the tap homes to Peoria Heights on Trip Street. And then I was able to take her to another level once she got once I got her out to California.
0: And that was tough, man, getting her to come. But she didn't want to leave.
1: Not really at first because, you know, her family and her friends.
0: Yeah. My mom's sober about leaving her church. She may not get along. This, this is breaking the internet right now. She doesn't get along with the priest. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they, they have different views for the church. I don't know what that means. I'm saying out of that religious beef. But I'm like, mom, just find a new church. She's like, no, this is my church. <laughs> that
1: was tough. My mom didn't want to leave. And so
0: I literally had
1: to convince her by telling her. I said, look, mom, I'll tell you what. How about you come visit me for Peoria winters, and then I'll bring you back in the springtime. And she—that's how I convinced her to come.
2: Mm. And she said, "Okay, I'll
1: come out, you know, for the winter." And uh, springtime rolled around. You ready to go back to
0: Peoria, Mom? And She said, "No, I can't <laughs> like it here." <laughs> so it worked. Now I have—I'm a firm believer. Life is a collection of memories and moments. Some of my fondest ones of uh, me and my mother specifically, we're sitting on the stoop in Chicago, she's smoking a cigarette, I'm eating seeds, and we're just talking. It just it stays in my mind. Do you have a moment like that of uh, you you and your travels with your moms that just sticks out? Ah, oh, yeah, one one of the biggest
1: moments that sticks out the most was uh, I took her to Maui, Hawaii, and uh, my brother was with me and. Uh, uh, they came out and I said mom let's go to Hawaii I want you to put your feet in the ocean over there and see what it's like and so we walked on the beach and uh, I was holding the umbrella because my mother had lupus for over 50 years so she couldn't be in the sun a lot and so here I am walking on this beautiful beach over at Poli Beach with my mom and uh, the sun was 100 some degrees and just pounding heat and uh Here I am walking with this cute little lady and hold an umbrella for her. And all the people that were laying out on the beach were just in awe of just trying to figure out who this lady is. She must be somebody really special. (laughs) And I would gleam and just smile at him and say to myself, yes, she is. This is my mother. And then we'd get back to the resort, and my brother was a classical uh, trained uh, pianist here in Peoria. And uh, he played in the lobby bar. He would play for my mom in the music. So when we got back to the resort, he would go over and play. And so it was just a fun time for her to see the look on her face.
0: <laughs> she got a chance to be the VIP for the world for a moment. There you that go. That she's always been for you.
1: There you go. So I was able to give back. So I've given her a lot of those moments.
0: That's dope, man. Yeah, it was fun. I love that, dude. That's... It's a lot where you can see an individual who loves the parent a lot and, and pours back into them as much as possible, man.
1: Um, it brings me joy. man, It really mm-hmm. does. Because, I mean, to give back, I love giving back and helping people, but to give back to your own mother, yeah. Yeah. it's just the greatest feeling.
0: Man. It's that yeah. smile you see on them. Yeah. you the reason that happened. It's, it's a selfish validation, but a good selfish. Like, oh, wait, she gave me life. I gave her happiness for a minute. Like, it's a good trade-off. <laughs> it is.
1: It's, it's really amazing. And she was the inspiration for me to never give up and to keep, keep striving. And I saw how lupus was bringing my mother down, but she kept a positive attitude. I saw how bill collectors would knock on our door and my mom would say, don't worry about it. I'm going to make a way for us. You know, uh, just you stay focused on school and, and I'll take care of all of that. And, uh, you know, just be a good person and treat people fair and uh, look past the the outside of their skin, look inside a person's heart, you know, uh, get past all of that. So she opened me up to a whole other world of uh, culture. And uh, she was a classy lady. Yeah. Yeah, she was very classy.
0: You know what's beautiful about that, man? She opened up to this whole new world. And as I was doing my research on you, two names stuck out immediately that I'm like, yo, this man's lived a random life of side quests. You got the shadow box with Muhammad Ali. Yeah, did I read fun. that correctly? Yeah, that was fun.
2: That
0: was fun. <laughs> I mean, besides let's talk about this. How did you shadow box with Muhammad Ali? Like, <laughs> this, like that's amazing.
1: <laughs> well, when I got to California, um, you know, when Ray Becker and I landed in California, in 1984, uh, I yes, uh, what are you going to do? I said, well, I'm going to go up to Hollywood man. and L.A., because I love San Diego. He was there for a Betty Ford fundraiser and uh, mm. San Diego Charger football game. So he was there with the Alex Spanos family. Uh, there was a big fundraiser at halftime, and it was a Chicago Bear football game mm-hmm. and Charger game. And so he said, well, what are you going to do? I said, well, I'm going to go up to L.A. And that's when he offered the, the, the $5,000 that I promised him I'd pay him back story. And... Uh, when I head up to LA, I got a job in a hotel business. And man, it was, it, it was challenging at first because I had a degree, I was all excited, and I knocked on so many doors and no one would hire me because uh, I didn't have any experience. <laughs> so I found a job in a hotel business and that's how I ran into Muhammad Ali. And this hotel was at Universal Studios back then. It was called the Sheridan Premier Hotel. I worked there for five years and it was, it was a life-changing event. Uh, to be able to walk Muhammad Ali up to his room. And, and uh, him and I are just sitting there talking and, and uh, about life.
0: That's kind of blow your mind at the said moment, like,
1: though. Yeah. And he says, you want to
0: box and I said,
1: no, not you. I don't want to box you. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, well, come on. Let's, let's play around. And uh, he, was, he was that nice of a guy. And so I have a photo of that picture of him and I in the room, you know, shadow boxing. So it was really a great time.
0: You know, it's... It's very rare that I could say this line and actually mean it, but not only did you shadow box with Ali, apparently you knew Michael Jackson too.
1: Michael, yeah, Michael. Oprah
0: also there. like you just <laughs> collecting these side quests. Right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I tell you, it was a humbling experience. It really was, and uh, you know, you learn that people are just people. But I did. I got a chance to spend three months with Michael when he was working on his bad album.
0: Yeah, that's like the the album. Yeah, like.
1: Yeah, it was fun. He was filming uh, doing all his videos up at Universal Studios, and the hotel I worked at was at Universal
0: Studios. Did you get any sneak peeks in the moment, or was it just strictly like, oh, what's up, Mike? are you
1: going? Oh, no, I got to know him
0: personally. For I, real?
1: Yeah. I would.
0: Uh, first
1: time I met him, uh, my boss had told me, uh, she said, Glenn, can you work overtime? Michael's coming in tonight. And I said, oh, I'll probably see him tomorrow. He'll probably be in late. And she's like, "No, you got to stick around tonight. He'll be in about 2 or 3 in the morning. So I said, okay. So imagine this, the hotel's empty, imagine this, the hotel's empty, I walk out with my head down, all my friends went out to go have fun that Friday night, I'm like stuck in a hotel, it was a slow night, and I look up and I see this body standing over in the corner, and I'm like, wow, who is that? And as I walk closer, I'm like, wow, who is that? You know, I saw a Laker hat, you know, and I saw a Dodger jersey on, and I saw some Air Jordan tennis shoes, and as I got closer, I said, "Oh wow, I think that's Michael." And I saw a surgical mask on his face, and so that's when I first met him. And I just went up to him, introduced myself, and told him, "I'm a professional waiter, <laughs> Bill
2: hopper yeah, from like Kier, Illinois,
1: and I'm <laughs> going to take good care of you, and I'm going to hide you from the paparazzi. I'm going to take good care of you, and that was the beginning of our my first encounter with Michael."
0: So, what's something that you said you got to know him? What's something that People don't know about that guy or like
1: sure. he's a prankster as a lot of people know yeah don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah he
0: likes to have fun
1: and so as i would i take his i was uh, he wanted me to be his private you know kind of like bellhop he didn't like a lot of different people coming out of his room so i was kind of in charge of him for the three months and so i would get with his chef take up the food and so forth and i would always ask his chef you know does michael never come down out of his room and she said, yeah, you know, look for the old man in the cane. <laughs> and so uh, I'm out front, and all the paparazzis there waiting on And Here comes an old man in the cane, walking through with a beard on and a disguise. And he walks over to him and he winks. And uh, the paparazzi kept asking me, where's Michael? Where's Michael? I said, I haven't seen it. He was standing right there the whole time. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Isn't that interesting how things kind of go full circle where yeah. you met Ray because you were working as a, sure. as a waiter and then you get to meet some influential people working at the hotel. You're speaking your life into existence, man. Like take me through this mindset of like how, how is this gotta be like a world shocker at this moment. Like you come from Peoria, Illinois, you're out here, you're meeting these people, you're starting to get knowledge through conversation. You're starting to grow and mature you're speaking it all into existence. Like, how's this all in that mindset? Like, how are you feeling in that moment? You
2: know,
1: that's a good question. I just wanted to be me. I just wanted to let them know that this is just who I am. I know that, you know, I have met a lot of famous people in my lifetime and I learned over the years that they're just real people. But, you know, at the beginning, it was really exciting times because, uh, you know, I just stayed true to who I am as a person. And, Hollywood's a different game, and that's a whole other conversation. You know, it's, it's, uh, I didn't, I wasn't chasing Hollywood, but somehow, in some way, I just kept getting reconnected back to the Hollywood scene, and I never really set out to do that. That wasn't my goal. I mean, when I left Ray Becker, and when I drove up to California, the first person I wanted to meet was Richard Pryor, (laughs) because I knew my uncle used to babysit him, and, and I've got all these stories about him growing up and so forth, and. Uh, I wanted to meet him because I wanted that inspiration. I felt like if I could meet somebody from Peoria out here in California, what would that, what kind of boost would that give me of confidence?
0: Two Peorians out of, out of the woods. And
1: so when I knocked on Richard's door and his secretary comes out, Marquita Cheeks, I'll never forget it. She came in and I asked for him and she says, well, he's not here right now. And so I was a little dejected, you know, because I thought, oh, wow. I'm not going to get back into Warner Brothers studio. You know, my cousin worked there and he got me past security. I'm like, how am I going to get, you know, get to this opportunity again? So as I turned to walk away, you know, in his mud bone voice, I heard a character say, hey boy, who's your people? And he came out and we started talking. The next thing I know, I started talking about all the people here in Peoria. I dropped Ray Becker's name and the Cannon family and Chris Collins and all these different people that I knew that were very close to him and uh, he turned to Marquita Cheeks and he says Marquita get that boy's phone number <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm
1: putting him in my movie, Jojo Dancer
0: you're in Jojo Dancer?
1: I got an extra part, the last scene of the movie, they were finishing wrapping it up and that's when I met Richard and the last scene when he's on stage when he comes back, he pans the audience, that's when yeah. he directed that he directed it, and uh, so he had control of the camera. So he, he gave me a couple of good close-up shots. So I asked him, I said, well, Richard, I tell you what, if I you know, come to the set, I said, can I bring, my, can I bring someone with me? And he said, yeah, sure. Who would you like to bring? I said, well, I'd like to bring my sister. So I, so I brought my sister along, because I knew no one would believe the story unless I had a witness. Of course. So I brought my sister <laughs> with me. So we got these close-ups. Then after we shot the scene, uh, his bodyguard came and got us, and I'm sitting there in his trailer reading Delvars. No yeah, talking about Peoria. Yeah. So that was my Richard Pryor experience.
0: Yo, like. Yeah. That's crazy, man. That's intense when you think about it. Just being outside, but living that.
1: Amazing, amazing. Uh,
0: From the you know, taff homes out there to be on a set of Richard Pryor's a movie, two local PRNs just speaking into existence.
1: Yeah, it was amazing, you know, and it just kept going. I mean, this hotel was the hottest hotel in the 80s. This hotel was uh, the most popular hotel in, in Hollywood. It just opened up. It was the signature hotels during the Olympics we're in town, and it just opened. It was a Sheridan premiere it was like the place to be. It was owned by MCA Records. Yeah. And Universal Studios. So if you were a record artist,
0: you were in that. If
1: you were in the movies, they put you there at Universal Studios. So it was like the go to place. So I was at the door.
0: So at that time you were there, that's when Rick James was probably at his peak, no? I
1: have got a Rick James story.
0: Oh, tell me, man. I'ma tell my mom about this. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well well I'll just tell you uh I got. a I was at my desk and it was uh, let's see about four in the morning. And a cab pulls up and it uh, comes to my desk and says, "Hey, I need help getting one of your guests up to his room." <laughs> and I said, "Who is it?" And so I walk out to the <laughs> to the cab and Rick's. It's Rick J. <laughs> yeah. And so we had to try to figure out how to get him up to his room. And so I literally uh, had to get help getting him onto the bell card. And getting up to his room, and uh, but that's my Rick James story.
0: He <laughs> just come up as Rick James, yeah. So At,
1: it was really funny, yeah. Was a, was a funny
0: were you ever starstruck out there, or you just kind of kept the cool, like understanding this you know, is just the climate?
1: You know, I, I kept my cool. I realized, uh, Steve Perry of Journey came to me. Uh, I'm not sure if you're Steve, Steve Perry, Perry
0: from Journey, yeah. Journey, Journey,
1: yeah. We became friends, and so.
0: You're cool with Steve Perry? Yeah
1: Steve, lived in the, yeah, Steve lived in the hotel for like three years. He lived there. You amazed me. <laughs> yeah. And so the funny part was, uh, uh, I never bothered him. But all the other guys that I worked with, they would run, get autographs, run, get autographs. And I would just leave him alone. I'm like, the guy lives here, you guys. Leave him alone. Give him a break. So I always stayed away from him, but I'd always, you know, acknowledge him when he walked in. That was it. So after about a year, he pulls up. He comes straight over to me and he said, Glenn, I said, what's up, Steve? And he's like, you've never asked me for anything. I said, well, Steve, you live here, man. I don't want to bother you. You know, why would I want to do that? He said, but there's something about you I like. And I said, what is it? And he said, you just never asked me for anything, man. I really love the fact that you respect my privacy. <laughs> and I said, well, you live here, man. I mean, what am I going to do? <laughs> so he says, would you like to come up to my room? I've got some bags in my car. Can you help me get this up up to the room? So I get Steve up to his room, and we'll go inside. He said, I just worked on this. I'm working on this really nice song, man, a really cool track. He said, would you like to listen to it? I said, oh, I would love that, Steve. So he handed me the headset. I put on the sound, and, and, uh, oh, it was a soulful song, man. It was spiritual. It was, like, deep. And, uh... So I told Steve, I said, man, you got a hit song here. And we laughed and we talked and uh, shared stories. And we became really close.
0: What was yeah. the song?
1: Well, I, I, don't wanna, I can't release the song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't release the song. I don't really know the name of the song. But uh-huh. uh, or what, I, don't, I don't even know if he even had a title yet. But, uh, but yeah, and he was telling me about how he wants to come out with this song. And uh, he was going through a period of his life. And the band had just broke up. So I didn't want to get too deep into it. That's when Journey had broke up, and he was just going solo back in, the, in that period of his time.
0: I worked at a station in Chicago, yeah. K-Hits, and it was all 60s, 70s, 80s music. Yeah, Steve Perry was on it a lot. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of his uh, catalog and his <laughs> book. <laughs>
1: well, I tell you a funny story. A funny story. It's hmm. in the book. Uh, it's pretty funny. Uh, he asked me, he said, well, you never asked me for anything. He goes. Don't you want something to give to one of your friends or girlfriend? You got anybody you want to, like, have me sign something for you? And I never asked for anything. I said, well, you know what? Let me think about it, Steve. I said, you know what? My next door neighbor loves you. Her name is Debbie. And he goes, all right. I said, why don't you sign something for Debbie? That's my mind, man. I'm always thinking about it, right? I'll others, see you right? back. All right, So I'll he signs on a, on a piece of paper to Debbie. Love, Steve Perry, and gives it to me. So I said, thanks, man. I'm going to give her that. And I get back to my apartment in the studio city where I was living.
0: I see you slick red. So, <laughs> so I go
1: back. So I go back to my apartment. And I knock on Debbie's door to give her a copy. Of- she loves. She loved him. She had moved out. So I ended up with his autograph. Anyway, I still have it at my home to this day. So I ended up with his autograph after all. But it says to Debbie.
0: You ever <laughs> run into Debbie ever? No. Nah. That was it? Yeah, that was it. Oh, we got to write a movie about this.
1: Yeah, ran yeah, into Steve a couple of times, but yeah, but didn't run into the, the Debbie after that. But I actually have it at my home. It's funny.
0: That is wild. I look at that, it
1: brings back memories.
0: It just puts you right in that moment mentally.
1: Puts me right in there, man. And I can go on and on and on. man. I'm telling you, Steve was a great guy. That also happened to uh, uh, a lot of different people. Just. Um, marcus miller i met him the bass player famous bass player famous yeah players, and david sanborn he did the same thing he came in one night and uh i'll never forget huh. that yeah he asked me to listen to a song.
0: let me ask you this man what age did you move out of tap the tap homes i was young
1: man. i think we moved out five I was six like yeah i've got a
0: and how old are you now
2: you forget? <laughs> nah, I'm just sitting here thinking
1: back. You took me back, and I'll be I'll be 64 next week. So from about 5 to 6. is my birthday.
0: Five, oh, happy yeah. early birthday, man. It's
1: coming
0: up. So from 5 to 6-year-old yeah. Glenn yeah. to now, everything you've been through, man, if you were to just see yourself back then and tell you something, mm-hmm. what would you tell yourself? To dream even bigger.
1: My book is, uh, we could talk about, you know, later, but it's all about dreaming bigger, not just dreaming big. Because the world is unlimited. It's unlimited opportunities for us all to reach out and touch. Um, And if you fall along the way, so what, man? You just get back up and you just keep running the race. <laughs> I've fallen down many times.
2: Oh, yeah. But,
1: you know, you just get up and you just keep running. Man. You just never give up. And uh, that was when I met Walter Payton. Walter and I became Probably best Fringe. friends.
0: Yeah. yeah. Walter. Sweetness. Sorry. Sweetness. Sweet- <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Take my Chicago card away. I just said the wrong thing. But that's sweetness, man. Yeah. You met sweetness and you got really cool with him?
1: my guy. He was my guy. Man. He was like a big brother to me. To, yeah. They called me Little Glenn. He had a, <laughs> he had a uh, uh, I won't say bodyguard, but he had someone that kind of looked over and his, they called him Big Glenn, but they used to call me Little Glenn. Hmm. And, uh, but yeah, Walter and I became really close. Yeah, every time he'd come to LA, I would take care of him out there. I'd come back home to see my mom. My mom was one that inspired me actually to call him. Really? Because when I met him in the hotel, he gave me his card, and I was joking with my mom one day when I came back for Thanksgiving. I go, look, man, look who gave me this card. And she goes, wow, Walter Payton. I said, yeah. She goes, you going to call him? I said, nah. She says, why not? I said, well, he meets so many people. He's just being nice. And she goes, I think you ought to call him. I called his office, and they're like, this little Glenn? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, when you coming up? Walter's just opened up 34, Studebaker's. Uh, Pacific. his office was at Student Americans but Pacific Club he opened up all these clubs
0: you love that impression
1: he said come up and hang out and the reason why it's funny how life works one thing I learned about celebrities so to speak or entertainers uh, is that they'll pick you out in the crowd versus you picking them out in the crowd does that make sense? yeah there was 50 to 100 people signing Walters uh uh, there was 1,500 people. Walter was signing autographs in the lobby. I never bothered him. I stayed over in my little area, my work area, and just kind of hung out. After he was all done, he walks over to me and introduced himself to me, hmm. and that was the beginning of our friendship. Just stay cool. You know what I
0: mean? Yeah.
1: And celebrities, and I've worked around them, so many people—not just celebrities, just people. You know, they recognize it. You know, there's something in you that's different. If you just stay true to who you are, uh, I learned that. You know, I've never really chased it. It just happened on its own. It just kind of organically just connected, and then one person, you know, it just started feeding itself, like so to speak. Or just one person, <laughs> it in just
0: Is that something that was instilled? in you by someone, or is that the faith that you just carried on, like, I ah, God got faithful, this, man. I got it? I think
1: it was 100% faith. There's no way I could I could orchestrate my life. There's just no way, man. There's I
0: mean, there's all there's these life. things, all these accomplishments that we've seen, I mean...
1: There's just no way, yeah, that I could say that it was me. It was, a, it was a blessing, man. It was a gift, you know. It was just the vision to create, you know, you gotta be in action though mm-hmm. to make something happen. You just can't sit back and talk about it. You gotta take a foot can't just speak it you gotta do it yeah you gotta step out even if you don't see where you're at where you're going or where you're headed you just gotta take that first step Hmm. and and just believe that whatever your situation is make the best of it and follow your passion and your dream and your vision and no matter what it is that you're doing you know um make it the best you know because i've never worked a day in my life what i mean by that is because i've the work that I've done has been my passion. And so, when you follow your passion, like what you're doing, <laughs> you come to work every day, right?
0: Oh, yeah, I'd love it. <laughs> Even my stressful days, yeah, I still love still it. Because right? I used to drive uh, auto parts to deliver them between, uh, it was Jack Weber Ford. I was driving thing or Jack Phelan, there you go. It was Jack Phelan driving auto parts, delivering them. I worked at the GameStop, Ace Hardware. I was doing all these jobs, but radio had always been that bug on me, man. It just always allowed me to be the most authentic version of who I am. I'm a jokester at heart. I get on this mic, I crack jokes the entire show. Like, it's just jokes. Like, today, I was like, you ever think that Willy Wonka was, like, the worst boss ever? See so y'all do kz one, two, three. 2, 3? Like, we could have called O'Shawn five times easy in the first hour of the movie. Anyways, like, stuff like that crosses my mind, and I think it's funny, and I talk about it. So it's like I'm having a surreal moment because things that you're going that you've gone through, it feels very serendipitous. Like it feels like this book, the, you know, speaking to exist, the art of speaking it into existence is a summation of your journey. Like it, like it's, it, it feels like it's a collection of a bunch of different canon events in your life that now you got on paper. Like, how's it feel to get it all on paper now?
1: I've already started working on my second book.
0: So,
1: you know it makes because we all have a story to tell. Of course, story. Uh, I didn't realize I was even a storyteller. I met a lady here from Peoria, Pam Adams. She was a Peoria Journal star for years, and we went and uh, when my book was coming out, I was talking to her, and speaking to her. I started just having a general conversation while we were having breakfast, and then I started really getting into the conversation. Then I started telling her the passion started coming out she's like that's it I like, what she goes that's it I'm like what Pam?" she said you're a storyteller mm-hmm. so by having mentors along the way I've always looked for mentors because uh, you can collaborate with them but sometimes mentors see things in you that you don't see in yourself
0: oh yeah <laughs> oh I know <laughs> and it's, it's aggravating at first until you accept it like okay no they're right <laughs> whether it's good or bad what they've seen in you but they're there to help you out
1: yeah so I've learned the power of mentorship and, and uh, Preston Jackson was a mentor of mine. You know, when I was going to college I mean, my mother's car broke down I couldn't get to Western and you know Preston was at that time going to the same church as my mother he found out about it and he was a professor at Western where I was going to school
0: so like that act of service and giving, your mentors kind of all establishes in you periodically throughout your life?
1: Yeah, because they're like that too. Huh. So they were able to share and, uh, his time and would come pick me up every Monday morning. So when I drove back for that last year and a half, two years of college, I was riding back and forth a lot of those times with Preston because he was coming back as well. Hmm. So, you know, and we'd share talks and conversation about life. And uh, where to place yourself, and and uh, you know uh, how to overcome your fears, and how to get past things. So I was able to open up to, to 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 my mentors, and he was really instrumental in helping me get through my last year and a half in college.
0: And, uh, hmm. and so I felt like I could do it. It's kind of. How do you feel about these individuals in your life that have poured so much into you without even asking for anything? Because I know, I still I'll text the uh, the first person in radio that ever looked at me and said I was something. Like, I got texted not too long ago like, hey, guess what? I just got promoted. Blah blah blah, and thank you because you you put me on. I remember I sent that to him. He's like, no, nah, it was you doing it. I just you know gave you. I'm like, no, dude, <laughs> sure. I was lost, green, and. You know what I mean I had a lot of gumption not a lot of knowledge but he took me underneath his wing Bob Lawson's his name mm. out in Chicago and that's one guy I will praise up and down just getting me to where I got to man so like for you when you look back and you assess those mentors like ah, when you look at them how does it make you feel
1: it makes you feel empowered it makes you feel that you know I can do anything if they can make it you know hmm. I can make it
0: have you been able to become a mentor throughout your life?
1: Oh yeah, I just met. I'm mentoring uh, some some students out in uh, Los Angeles, mm. Brotherhood Crusade, and uh, matter, matter of fact, one just called me yesterday. He's going to Syracuse University.
0: That's I'll a big reasons. name right yeah, there. He just
1: called me yesterday. Just to,
0: I spoke to these
1: students and uh, <sighs> to inspire them. Uh, and, uh, I'm on the speaking circuit. So I travel around talking to youth, as well as I have a corporate presentation called Rise to the Top, so I teach sales executives how to become a top sales producer, hmm. how to do it. Yeah.
0: You're just wearing a lot of hats, having a good time, huh?
1: Well, just having fun, just following my passion, doing what I think can make a difference in, in the lives of someone else, because as long as you have that mindset mm-hmm. of being of service to others, you know, it's just a gift of from our creator god who will bless you with these opportunities to express what's really in your heart because at the end of the day it's all about getting to know a person from the inside out and that's how i've always viewed life and that's how i always looked at life and so um i've been blessed that i really have and now i want to be a blessing to someone else
0: that's a perfect transition into now the book you know The artist speaking into existence at what point in your life did you realize you wanted to be an author or did it just kind
1: of happen upon you i tell you i look back at my life and it just happened i was uh, speaking to uh the la job corps uh, they're part of the ywca out in los angeles and i met a lady uh, at a network event and she said tell me your story and i shared my story about from peoria to california so to speak and she said you need to share that story with our executive director And I did, and they hired me to come speak. It was my first keynote speech. It was 5,000 people there.
0: How was that? I tell you, it was... Were you shitting bricks?
1: You know, (laughs) I tell you, I didn't tell them that. It was my first, but I knew he probably wouldn't have hired me. So I practiced for about three months in my backyard, hell yeah, my speech because I wanted to make him look good. Then he added pressure. He said, "You know, my boss from the East Coast is coming out, so don't make me look bad." I'm no. like, oh, I got, "Big I got East this. Coast, <laughs> I got this, I got this."
0: And how did that speech go?
1: It went over really well.
0: Yeah. yeah. You caught that bug at that moment, huh? And
1: So afterwards, that's how the book came out. One of the students walked up to me and uh, he said, man, thank you for your speech. You know, it was very inspiring and motivating and I'm really looking forward to getting out there and and finding my passion and my vision and my dreams. And he said, but where's your book at? And I said, oh, I don't have one. He says, well, you should write a book because I think if you document what you're doing, I think you can even touch more people.
0: Mm. Wow.
1: Wow. This was a,
0: uh, you know a who that kid, you right? know who that was talking to you
1: the spirit. Mm. Yeah, he, God uses people mm-hmm. to, to get his word to you so I took heed and I said you know what I'm going to go home and start journaling and writing and then it took four years to perfect it And uh,
0: but yeah that's how it all started I think we've got to know you very well just by talking about your life and things you've been through and just how it's evolved. Now, this book, take us through a little bit more of it. I don't want to spoil too much of it because I want people to go on Saturday. But take us through a little bit. Give us a little teaser on what is a little bit in there that we have not touched about yet.
1: Well, the hook of the book is from the projects, the prosperity, life lessons learned along the way. Uh, It's my life story. It's about dreaming big, having a vision for your life, overcoming, persevering, being determined to make it,
2: you know, to never
1: give up, just believe that you can make it. But you must be in action, though, to make something happen. And as I spoke about earlier, you know, we all fall down, but you get back up and you just keep running the race of life. Of course. And and the biggest impact that my book is having on, on, on the world right now is a 13-year-old girl did a term paper on my book. Oh. And put it on LinkedIn, and I got... Oh, thousands of people responded to it and uh, a 70 year old man who was retired he was enjoying the fruits of his labor he came out of retirement after reading my book because he wanted to make a difference in the community (laughs) but the most touching story of them all was a lady here in Peoria Illinois reached out to me privately on Facebook and she said Glenn COVID's got me down you know uh, getting ready to divorce my husband and, uh, Twenty pounds overweight. I was ready to give up on life, but she said, "But after reading your book, hmm. I'm back in the gym now. I reconciled with my husband, and I got a whole new purpose for living." Hmm. And That's dope. That to me alone, you know, if I never sell another book or if I never do anything else with that book, the fact that I made a difference. In one person's life, you know, is the most fulfilling gift that I could ever receive, man. Because I made a major impact in someone's life that will be with me for the rest of my life.
0: Mm. I love that, man. That's dope. Just being able to see your, or at least experience your journey firsthand through conversation, dialogue, to see it evolve to the point of people filled your cup up throughout your journey and in a moment where someone's cup is damn near depleted you're able to fill it a little bit back up to allow them to not only speak what they want into existence but get out out there and do it to do the work as you said
1: yeah and i look back and i think about all the people that have helped me and i uh, thought well who can help me get the message and the word out and uh from a so I called my old boss. When I was I come from a telecom industry background, but uh, John Combs wrote the introduction of, to my book. I dedicated the book to my mother, mm. and then Blair Underwood, who was on the L.A. Law for years, uh, major Hollywood actor, wrote forward to the book.
0: So no, I know, and I remember the, uh, Dang, that's dope, man. So he uh, speaks
1: volumes because he's well respected, and I was and we've been friends for over. 25 years of genuine friendship, and we stay in touch. And and uh, you know, I'm very supportive of what he's doing. He's very supportive of what I'm doing. And so, uh, it's it's a truly uh, a blessing to be able to see it all come together. And uh, and I'm just very thankful.
0: Before you took that job, long time ago, the server waiting gig, right? Were there any other gigs that you were thinking about taking?
1: You know, I wanted to get into the record industry when I first got out there.
0: No, um, no, no, in Peoria. I'm oh, I'm
1: sorry, in Peoria.
0: Yes, where your journey before all started before you met Ray. Was there any other thing you were thinking about? Because you could have not come home that weekend, or the, or X, Y, Z. You could have done something somewhere else. Was well, I, there?
1: I wanted to, I wanted to be a baseball player. To be honest with you, that was that was my vision growing up as a kid. But once that. You know, uh, didn't work out. Uh, but uh, I did get a tryout with the St. Louis Cardinals. You know, where they get those, you can go out and try. Yeah. You, know, everybody you know. come out and kind of see if you. If the community you said, day. <laughs> there you go. Know. So that's as close as I got to the old Bush Stadium.
0: Really? I
1: uh, got a chance to go there. But uh, once I got that passion out, uh, and I played Sunnymore League, so once I realized, and I realized that, you know what? I'm more than just a baseball
0: player. Yeah, of course. So I
1: think the biggest thing in life that we all have to realize is that, you know, God blesses you with more than just one gift, more than just one talent. <clears throat> There's multiple things inside of you that you can bring out if you just find, who, find out who you are as the person.
2: Of so course. I spent a lot of
1: time, that quiet time, you know, of going for a walk by myself, you know, uh, sitting and meditating, praying. I, I spent a lot of time uh, getting, the, getting to know Glenn Bowie. And what's really deep inside of Glen Bowie. And no one knows that except yourself what makes you tick and, and what makes you happy and bring joy to your life and to your soul and to your spirit. But yeah, I mean, I wanted to stick around here. I mean, but I was also a little nervous because I wanted to get, you know, Peoria is, is the greatest city, in my opinion, man, to live in growing up. I would never trade anything for my upbringing here hmm. in Peoria. But it's so special here that you can fall in love with it where you won't want to leave. But I said, I can always come back later. And so now I'm coming back. I feel that in my spirit, Peoria is pulling me back hmm. home now. My mom's buried here now. My daughter's here now. My grandkids are here now. So my life has gone full circle. And now it's coming back to Peoria.
0: It's so very so, surreal.
1: So it's back to my roots again now. And so I'm open to making an impact and coming back home now. Hmm. And so that's bringing a whole other sense of joy. After being in all the entertainment stuff out there, you know, uh, the sales and doing all the things that I've done and experiences that I've had, Peoria still keeps calling me back.
0: It's something very... Magnetic about Peoria. Maybe that might be the wrong terminology, but there's just something I feel that draws people here. Wow. There's a lot of out of towners moving in. There's a lot of uh, locals that are doing a lot of dope things. Like we have Ezra and Chanel do Peoria's Fashion Week. They're starting to get that off the ground. They're doing co-sponsorship with New York. We have uh, Willie Williams doing hoops. We have all these people trying to build up the community, man. I think you being called back is almost at the perfect time.
1: I tell you, coming from Peoria, this is—I uh, can't explain it. It's—it's—it's—you uh, it's, uh, almost have to be here, because, you know, to feel it. Mm-hmm. You know, to uh, to just be a part of the community here in Peoria is—it's uh, it's really amazing. Because I always felt like if you could make it in Peoria, you could make it anywhere.
0: I've heard that so many times, like that's a slogan of this town.
1: Yeah. Will it play in Peoria? Yeah. Will it play in Peoria? (laughs) I've heard
0: that so much, man. I'm like, please let me play in Peoria. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you are. playing. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. Let me ask you this. Just. uh, I like to pick moments out in people's lives, especially mine also, where I'm like, if this didn't happen, if I didn't do this, my life would have been drastically different if you didn't have the personality you had in that moment while you were working and serving Ray, your life could have been very different. I think you would have still found a way for sure, but it would have been different. How, how does, when you ever think about that? Oh
1: yeah. I think about it a lot. I live it through some of my friends mm. that are here, you know, and they're successful. Uh, and then there's other friends that weren't quite as successful. Uh, but success isn't about, you know, where you live. It's all about what's in your heart, man. Mm, I love that. Yeah, that's where true success really comes from. And uh, there's a, I think about all the people that have come from Peoria. I mean, man, there's so much talent in this town.
0: A lot. You
1: know, not just athletes. Peoria's known for basketball all over the country. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm out there in California, they're like, "Oh, you're from Peoria."
0: Oh, Peoria yeah. is known that far out yeah. being a basketball mecca.
1: Oh, yeah, you got the Booth brothers out here, oh, yeah. You know, I could go on and on and on, you know, of, of hmm. people that are making an impact back here in Peoria. And uh, yeah, I mean, it goes way back to when my mom was DJing. Mm-hmm. When I was wearing the Tav Homes. My mom back then it was Chet Walker, Chet the Jet, Chet the, yeah, the jet at Bradley University. My mom would throw parties. And I was part of the entertainment. I had my sister and I come out and we dance. And we would get, they would give us 50 cents. And that's, back then, candy was a penny a piece. Yeah. 50 pieces of candy for, you know, for 50 cents. And my mom would make us give the money back. And she'd say, no, you do it out of the goodness of your heart. You don't do it for money. And so, uh, you know, I was exposed, you know, to Dinah Ross. Yeah. And and then I created the temptations, my yeah. own group out of the dynamic three. So I There's moments. I I yeah. Time. And people that have come into my life over the years were inspired. You know, so I've been inspired my whole life by others. And so now I feel like if I can inspire others, then I can, you know, be a pathway for them to reach their goals and dreams
0: i love that where can we find the art of speaking into existence you can go on amazon uh, and just search out glenn bowie
1: g-l-e-n-n-b-o-w-i-e speaks s-b-e-a-k-s uh, and uh, you can get it there or you can go to my website glennbowiespeaks.com. there's a link there that'll take you straight to uh the purchase uh
0: Do you have a link for people to go to uh, in case they want to do speaking engagements where you come talk to kids while you're in town or anything? You
1: can reach out to me there. and uh, I have a booking uh, page there where you can reach out to me and I'll come in and speak and talk to the kids. Corporate America. That's what I'm doing now. I'm traveling all around the country. Mm. I'm very excited about it, making a difference in people's lives. An
0: author, a public speaker, man. A Temptations, uh, you know what I mean? (laughs)
1: Yeah. I very, love it. Very successful career in sales as well, so I'm very thankful.
0: Here's a question I love asking everybody. This is my last question I sure. love asking everybody. When they come and they sit in here and they have this conversation, dialogue with me, it's kind of fitting since you're an author, but when your story is all said and done, the last page is turned, what do you hope people get from your journey? That my journey inspired,
1: motivated, uh, helped others, individuals, believe that... You know, they are someone they're important uh, that they have a place in life and in society regardless of your social economic background uh, where you came from or how it started uh, that you can overcome you can persevere that you know uh, when one door closes on you just keep knocking on the door to never give up attitude mm-hmm. uh, to believe in yourself that you can do it And most importantly, is to keep God first. You know, believe in something or someone bigger than yourself. I've lived my whole life uh, believing in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's who I follow. I have friends of all walks of life. I have friends of all different faiths. I don't judge anyone. I accept people for where they are in their life. And they accept me for where I am. And so that's important that just to believe in something or someone bigger than yourself.
0: I love that, man. I also love like, just like a writer, you had an entire conclusion page, (laughs) but your journey has been, you've been through a lot, man. And it all started in the Taff homes, Peoria, and now you're back. Again, we have the book signing and the talk happening this weekend, September 23rd, 1030 a.m. at the Riverfront Museum. More information and get the book and everything we can go to where again? GlennBullySpeaks.com. All right, that's been another episode of the KZ Community Beat. I'm Ross Martinez, your host, my guest in the house. seat again, author of The Art of Speaking Into Existence. Book out now. Make sure you go get it. It's on Amazon Prime. And show up September 23rd, 1030 a.m. Peoria Riverfront Museum for the book signing and talk immediately right after. Glenn, thank you, man. Any last words you got for him?
1: Look forward to seeing everyone there. Hey. It's going to be a, to be a good time. This is going to be a powerful, emotional speech. Uh, bring your hankies.
0: Oh, you know what sometimes you need that deep expressive cry to get it out the emotions
1: yeah to be able to come back home and to be able to share my story with the people that have helped me get to where I am I didn't do it all on my own there's so many people here in Peoria that even beyond even Ray Becker that have given me little tips and and, uh, ideas and vision and they've inspired me too
2: Mm -hmm. yeah
1: even from from the local guy uh, to someone that's really high up. You know, it, it's not a matter of your status or you know your title. It's about your heart, and that's what Glenn Bowie speaks is about, man. It's all about what's the authentic person on the other side. Is really it's really what's driving
0: Love that, man. So come show us your heart. September 23rd. (laughs) That's why they pay me what I got to do. All right. It's been another episode of the KZ Community Beat. We appreciate you greatly. Thanks for tuning in. Go back, check out the other episodes. If not, I write a book about you specifically, and it won't be good. Okay. Bye.